At the height of the Six-Day War, June 7, 1967, Israeli paratroopers breached Jordanian defences and took the Temple Mount. Commander Mordecai Motagur broke radio silence and announced, The Temple Mount is in our hands. As Shlomo Goran, surrounded by IDF soldiers, blew the shofar in front of the Western Wall, around the world the prophetic shofar resounded. After 2,300 years following the Babylonian invasion, the Jews were again sovereign over the Temple Mount. This was a direct fulfillment of the prophecy given to the prophet Daniel, where a time period was given for the treading down of the sanctuary, in Daniel chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of the sanctuary was cast down. Then I heard one saint speaking to another saint, and said to that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the holy to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Under two thousand three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Well, the prophecy revolved around the Grecian goat smiting the Medo-Persian ram, which occurred around the year 334 B.C., 2,300 years later, in 1967, the sanctuary would no longer be trodden down anymore. For the past several hundred years, writers recognized this prophecy would be fulfilled in 1967, accurately predicting the date. Christ also outlined this as a pivotal time, stating of his own nation, they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles, until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled, Luke 21, verse 24. That time came to an end in 1967, and the Temple Mount was back in Jewish hands. In those early hours, everyone wondered what would happen. At that pivotal moment, Israel's secular leadership did not possess the faith to seize the opportunity that God had put into their hands. Arik Akman, the chief intelligence officer with the 55th paratroopers, was handed a flag by Ezra Ornai, the communications officer. He was instructed by Motagur, Yala, or go up, and so they climbed to the top of the building and fastened the Israeli flag onto the pole topped with an Islamic crescent. But in those early hours, everyone wondered what would happen in Jerusalem. The Minister of Defense, Moshe Dayan, was watching through his binoculars and immediately radioed Gerd, demanding that he remove the flag, shouting, Have you gone crazy? You'll set the whole Middle East on fire. The Jewish people had just returned to its holiest site, which for years they had been denied access, only to give up sovereignty at the very moment of triumph. A few days later, on June 17th, Diane would meet with the Muslim Waqif, the governor of the holy site, and formally return the Temple Mount to their control. The Times of Israel would later report, at a meeting with Muslim religious leaders atop the Temple Mount on June 17th of that year, 1967, agreement was reached on the so-called reformulated status quo under which the Jordanian Muslim Waqif would continue to hold religious responsibility for the compound under overall Israeli supervision. Prayer on the mount would be reserved for Muslims only. Jews would be allowed to visit, but not pray there. 
This constituted a strikingly radical decision, having finally regained sovereignty in a bitter defensive war over the holiest place in Judaism, the site of the two biblical temples. Here was the defense minister of the revived Jewish state promptly relinquishing the Jews' right to practice their religion there. End quote. Well, Diane's decision was made individually and unilaterally without any consultation with the Israeli government. According to author Oliver Glatz, Shlomo Goran, the chief rabbi of the Israeli army, regretted that the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque had not been immediately demolished and called for the site to be made available for Jewish worshippers. This faithless decision of Diane has plagued Israel ever since. Some claim he was pragmatic, looking out for the safety of Israel. The reality is, Diane was a man without faith who didn't value the Temple Mount, who took the glory of the victory for himself and did not see God's hand in Israel's victory in the Six-Day War. In six days, Israel took the area of Judea, Samaria, and especially Jerusalem, and this was God's doing. As he stated in the prophet Joel, chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. Well, in 1967, Israeli leadership did not possess the faith to go up and possess the Temple Mount. Diane, in his book Avenue Derek, described the Temple Mount in 1976 as a Muslim prayer mosque. He went on to state that for Jews, it was no more than a historical site of commemoration of the past. One should not hinder the Arabs from behaving there as they do now. Well, Diane believed he was diffusing the site as a center of Palestinian nationalism, a belief that has since proven to be completely erroneous. Diane wanted to placate world leaders, ensuring a continuation of the status quo. Now, the phrase status quo is a hangover from the Vatican's desire for Jerusalem to be a corpora separatum, Latin for a separate body, as expressed by Pope Pius XII when he wanted the Vatican's wishes of holy places to have an international character. In December 1967, after the Six-Day War, a successor, Pope Paul VI, called for a special status internationally guaranteed for Jerusalem and the holy places, reiterated by both Pope John Paul II and Benedict XVI. Well, after the U.S. recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital in December of 2017, Pope Francis again stressed, I wish to make a heartfelt appeal to ensure that everyone is committed to respecting the status quo of the city in accordance with the relevant resolutions of the United Nations, end quote. Well, after 1967, the secular socialist leadership of Israel was gradually removed, the growing religious Zionist movement had been growing and was motivated more by faith in the promises than socialistic policies. Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who advocates the opening of the Temple Mount for worship of all nations, stated in an interview with CBN News, things are changing. He said, within six days we return to the biblical land of Israel, all the mountains of Judea, Samaria, and the Golan Heights. We return to the old city of Jerusalem, and the city is liberated and reunited. Here we are 53 years later, a new government, Jerusalem is united, it's fabulous. It is the word of God coming out of the book, materializing and becoming a reality in our time in front of our eyes. 
Well, Yehuda Glick was a member of the Knesset for two years. An attempt was made to assassinate him due to his belief in the need for the Jews to worship on the Holy Mount. He is the founder of the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation. And at 2017 Prophecy in the News conference, he stated, Today, if you don't see prophecy, you better get yourself a new set of glasses. While as we move to the present day, Israel has its first quote-unquote observant Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, who shares the desire to have Jews worshipping on the Temple Mount. In a statement this past week, Bennett addressed Public Security Minister Omar Bar-Lev and Israeli Police Chief Kobe Shabtai thanking them for managing the events on the Temple Mount with responsibility and consideration while maintaining freedom of worship for Jews on the Mount. Well, this aroused a wave of excitement amongst religious Jews and drew the ire of the secular society, fearful of a Jewish faith gaining momentum. There was much talk of the radical change that was taking place, but the joy was short-lived as political influences forced the Prime Minister's office to walk back the statement. The Times of Israel asked for clarification and reported this. Asked what was going on, Israel's Minister of Public Security, Labour's Omer Barlev, appeared on television on Sunday evening to declare that the status quo was, has not changed, that Jewish prayer at the site remains illegal, and that Bennett's office had apparently misworded the statement. The PMO had meant to say freedom of movement for Jews on the Temple Mount, Barlev suggested, not freedom of worship. End quote. Well, to us, this might seem absolutely ridiculous that of all places on the planet, a Jew cannot pray on the Temple Mount. But that is the status quo. Arabs can play soccer there, have picnics there, but Jews will be arrested for praying there. Well, there are many Jews in Israel who desire to see the Third Temple built, or at least for Jews to worship on the Temple Mount until that day. The government is not there yet. There is still too much desire to placate foreign governments and too little faith in the God of Israel as the one who has brought Israel back to the land and has given Jerusalem back into Jewish hands. So whether politicians of Diane's stamp like it or not, God will make it the center of worship in the world to come. It might not be in the heart of politicians like Diane and his present-day successor, but in the mind of the Creator every single day. We read in Psalm 132, verse 13, The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I, de- here will I dwell, for I have desired it. So when God says forever, he means it. The prophecy of Zechariah states, Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts. And a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. And the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Zechariah 1, verses 16 to 17. Well, today there are many who would like to erase the notion of a Jewish temple, past, present, or future. Just one month ago, Israel Hayam reported the Palestinian Authority's Prime Minister as stating, The years of archaeological excavations Israel has conducted on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem's old city have yielded no proof that a Jewish temple ever existed in the city. 
Since 1967 and the occupation of the West Bank, Israel has carried out a series of excavations underneath the Al-Aqsa Mosque which haven't proved any connection whatsoever to the hall, temple, or anything similar, end quote. Well, inconveniently, the 1924 guidebook to the Temple Mount put out by the Supreme Muslim Council, entitled A Brief Guide to Al-Haram, Al-Sharif, Jerusalem, stated, Two principal edifices are the Dome of the Rock, on a raised platform in the middle and a mosque of Al-Aqsa against the southern wall. The site is one of the oldest in the world. Its sanctity dates from the earliest perhaps from prehistoric times, its identity with the site of Solomon's temple is beyond dispute. This too is the spot, according to the universal belief, on which David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, or, and peace offerings, end quote. Well, socialist politicians like Diane have discounted the importance of the temple site, and this past week, alternate Prime Minister and Minister of Foreign Affairs, Yair Lapid, contradicted Bennett's comment, as Ynet Daily recorded him stating, The status quo has been set by previous governments. It means that Jews have freedom to visit the Temple Mount, and Muslims have freedom of worship, he said during Yeshatid's faction meeting. While faithless secular Jews may have lost their way in their quest for power and forgotten what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 137 verses 5 and 6, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chiefest joy. However, the purpose of God remains inevitable. God has spoken, and his word will not return to him void, as we read in Isaiah 55, verse 10, As the rain comes down in the snow of heaven, and returns not thither, but waters the earth, and makes it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. And the book of Daniel tells us unequivocally that the status quo will be changed for the Temple Mount. Jerusalem would be trodden down for a finite period of time, unto 2,300 days, and then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. We read in Daniel 8 verse 14. Well, the process of cleansing is interesting. How does the Dome of the Rock get removed in preparation for the third third temple to be built? It may well be the European-Russian crusade against Jerusalem that removes it. The Arabs believe that the Europeans and Russians are on their side, but they'll be sadly mistaken when the Russians appear to be victorious at the zenith of their assault on the land of Israel. As Daniel tells us in chapter 11, verse 45, he shall plant the tabernacle of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Well, the headquarters of the invading crusade will be located in the glorious holy mountain, which is the Temple Mount. The last time Christians had control over the Dome of the Rock during the 12th century, it was turned into a Christian church with crescents being replaced with crosses. This will be repeated, but it will be short-lived, as Zechariah explains in chapter 14, verses 1 to 2. 
Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Following the invasion, God will intervene, as we continue to read in verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove towards the north, and half of it towards the south. And he shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with me. The sanctuary will be cleansed through the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Mount of Olives. He will be the manifestation of his Father, and return from heaven to establish the kingdom of God on earth once again. Ezekiel also records of this time period, in chapter 38, verse 18, It shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in my fire of my wrath as I have spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence, and the mountain shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall, every wall shall fall to the ground. Following this, Ezekiel describes in great detail the construction of the third temple, and the earthquake will raise the elevation of the temple platform, and the temple will finally be built as the prophet Zechariah and Isaiah both state. In Isaiah 2 we read, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. Many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem." And he shall judge amongst many nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Well, this is not the future Antichrist temple that misled Christians are looking for, but the temple that Messiah himself will be involved in building, as David had been promised so many years ago in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, When thy days shall be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for ever." I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. Thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Well, we know that this is not Solomon, for the house of Solomon's kingdom was not established forever before David. David's dead awaiting the resurrection along with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Solomon's temple was destroyed and his kingdom has been overturned, as the last king Zedekiah was told. In Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 25, Thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come, when iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem, take off the crown, this shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, and abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, until he come, and it shall be so more, no more, until he come, whose right it is, and I will give it him. And this is the promise that was given to David and reiterated to Mary by the angel Gabriel. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, Zechariah describes this end result, this great change in the status quo that we are looking for. In chapter 14, verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Well, may that day be soon upon us. May the Lord find us watching and preparing for the biggest change this world has ever seen. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.